You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 157 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Dadu Worldwide himself, Jay Desai. How you doing, buddy? Man, I am doing great. I survived December. Yeah, so a lot of people are coming out of Christmas with maybe a lot of celebration, maybe a little bit of a just sigh of relief, maybe a little bit of a Christmas hangover just from all the services and all the stuff. But Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. We made it, guys. We made it, yeah. We made it. We all made it. Hopefully, uh, everyone got a good, solid sleep in or exhale or yeah something evan uh one of the guys here at passion city he kept saying i'm gonna treat myself to the biggest steak i can find when this is over <laughs> i was like we can go right now bro we don't have yeah. to wait yeah you don't have to wait on uh something to celebrate right. especially if jay's involved so talk to everybody we we mentioned it a little bit about passions plan plans for christmas but walk us through it with more specifics now that it's done so okay. you guys Basically, for the three Atlanta campuses, yep. you had a basically a rotation for the for the three weeks of December leading up to Christmas. There were three different bands, bands. that rotated campuses, yeah, and which, each were kind of themed a themed certain way. Yeah, yeah. they. Um, I called it. It's I forget the project had a name like Reindeer or something. I called it Reindeer Games. <laughs> Worship department had a name for it, and I can't remember. They also named each musical entity a different reindeer, which is super frustrating, annoying. That's funny. Uh, which they know, guys. If they're listening, they know how they would started calling me Scrooge uh, because they'd be like, "Yeah, Donner is going to do this," and I'd be like, "Great, which band is that?" That yeah. tells me zero information. Right. So we had one band that was our normal band, you know, normal worship setup, but kind of added a little gospel vibe with it. Added a B three permanently and some incredible background vocalists. And then the other one was a um, 20-piece orchestra with a percussion section and a piano and just singers, which is very different. Like no guitars, no bass, none of that. And then the other one was um, more of a folky acoustic thing. So we had a hammered Americana. Americana. We had a hammered dulcimer player, you know, extra acoustic. And uh, Paul, who plays for us, was like, yeah, I'm going to play a totally broken down set. All he did was take away Tom 1. Um, but, uh, but it was great because they actually had like, uh, opposed to no disrespect to the worship bands on Sundays, but coming up on Sunday and just bashing through it, they actually had these parts. Yeah. Dono is a brilliant guitar player. He was finger picking a lot of stuff and, um, just their harmonies and, and the space kind of they left in the arrangements was real great. So, uh, Lawson had a B3 and, and some other keys and, um, Hammer Dulcimer, it's just a beautiful instrument. It's incredible. Two DPA 4099s, man, and I That's could awesome. get it. I probably honestly had 10 dB left before I was hitting feedback in some of our rooms. So we did that, but all three bands visited all three campuses. Yeah, that's really cool. So I, the people who attended got to hear each of the variations. If you were the, a good Christian and came to all three Sundays in <laughs> December, you got to hear all three reindeers. And that's, so, that's funny. Well, the, the great thing about was, that is that you weren't relying on one band to change instrumentation and change styles. They actually got to stay connected and self-contained. And so I'm sure for them, they felt like they were getting better every week because they were getting more into the groove. It makes the case for maybe I'm not in the worship department here or anywhere for a good reason. Um, And 
but it does make the case for repetition of band. There's a reason bands outside of churches play together for a long time and get better with time. You learn each other's mannerisms and right. musicality and all this stuff. But I watched here uh, bands really gel together after that. The worship department, I don't even know if they call themselves the worship department. Whoever these people are, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> they also decided that we were only going to rehearse the first week at the first campus you started at. Interesting. Which was also set change week, which was also the Grove Conference, I mean the Christmas Grove that you were here for. Yep. On top of a million, uh, there was a, a student's event on top of that. So that first week was an absolute nightmare of insanity of things, but we got it. I mean, Stephen Aruda and Mike Rentals was unreal. I mean, I was ordering things left and right. I don't have 352s for the 3B3s. And right. that, so I parked backline at every campus, the B3 mainly. The orchestra stuff moved. We have trucks that were going to all locations all weeks with the stands and chairs, timpanies and all that. Um, but it took a lot of, of planning, RF coordination and stuff. And uh, Stephen Aruda walked us through it all. He was Jesse over there. I was calling him. I was like, I need this tomorrow. Like uh, 20, 20 in-ears, you know, 21,000s. 20 channels of 1,000, 20 channels of Axiant, Earthworks, mics for the Timpani, you name it. I was getting it from them for the month. And it was it was absolute brilliant execution on their half and lack of planning on mine when I was like, hey, I didn't get this. They're like, you didn't order that. I was like, oh, <laughs> cool. Can you send that to me? Um, so it was a little challenging for us because you know the way our our uh, all of our campuses are one big digital loop. Right. We have a bunch of Ravenna and direct out stuff, and then broadcast basically is a fourth campus, even though it's inside of one of the campuses. So you can't just take your files. Our right. files don't travel here. Um, and we learned a few random things. This is on our end, but our auxes are ordered diff ordered differently at a different campuses. Oh, that's interesting. Because you can do presets. Right. And so you can carry your presets, and we were doing that. And then I got to the second week, and I was like talking with Evan. I was like, why are all my – why are all my uh, – Subs at zero. Why my sub ox at zero? It's because the presets were out of order. So we got some work to do here to clean up our consoles. It's the detailed stuff that the detailed stuff that we didn't quite have down here would have saved a little bit of heartache down the road. So it was a, honestly a great learning. No one was uh, hosed in any manner. We were able to get it. The orchestra is the hardest one because they had 20 live mics. Mm -hmm. So Nick Geiger and uh, Dalton, who were, oh, the engineers travel with the bands. And, we, and then Jordan, who was basically dedicated to RF, would go in on Saturday and check everything after Evan and I and, and Josh Wright would load it in during the week. So it was just mayhem, but the reaction from every campus every week was amazing. Yeah. Like, it was brilliant. We posted a video. Um, you can type in uh, Mel leading a song um, with the orchestra. We posted one of those, and it was it was pretty magic. So. Yeah, I was involved in the pre-production for some of the string tracks for the orchestra band. And it was, I mean, the arrangements were so good. The players were great. It, it really, it was fun for me to be a part of, even though I wasn't able to be at any of the services in person, just to kind of be a little bit of a outsider looking in. It was, it was really impressive. Hear me say this loud and clear. If you work at a church and you need string arrangements, there are two people I trust explicitly. Yeah. One is Nick here in Atlanta, and the other one is Davis Harwell. His Instagram is dhcomposer, and 
they have both done stuff for us before, and they are just absolutely brilliant. So I've known Davis for a long time. He was actually involved with some camps that I did back in the day. Um, anybody who ever went to Big Stuff in the 2000s would know Davis. He was in the band for all those years and was actually the uh, keyboard player for Christian Stanfield's band when yeah, Christian first got started and was around Atlanta. Now he lives in L.A. and is doing incredible stuff with film scoring. And um, and that's what Nick's doing, Nick Kirk here of Legendary of Funk Sandwich. Yes, uh, of course, Funk um, Sandwich fame. He, uh, Berkeley guy and uh, works on movie scores with an agency here called Whitestone Motion Pictures. Just absolutely amazing. Uh, his Instagram is Nicholas Kirk. They don't even know we're giving him a shout out. But both of these guys can write arrangements and scores that are so moving, and they're absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And both incredible humans, too. Davis is actually one of the funniest people I've met in my life. He's hilarious. He's absolutely hilarious. Anyways, go check it out on YouTube. It, however, uh, to, to kind of circle back, uh, we had to bring in some contract help. Uh, as most people know, we're looking for some audio engineers at Passion, so apply if you're looking for a job. Um, but uh, So we had to get some contract help. A guy named Josh Wright with 46 Entertainment was with us. Uh, Jordan Parnum, who helps us a lot, uh, was here and was absolutely brilliant execution because I watched us all. This is uh, not about me. It's just the way my brain's wired as a project manager and PM. Um, I was able to get us to just breathe and say, hey, guys, we got to take this a day at a time or we're going we're gonna to absolutely just melt. Mm -hmm. Like, what has to be done at this campus today? Great. Everything else needs to be tabled. Once we had all the gear here in Atlanta, I knew that we could get, to, get any gear to any campus at any point in time. I worked on all the backline movements separate from the audio guys with some of our logistics guys here. There's a full environment decor team that everything was decorated. Uh, I worked with them on the logistics. So I try to keep that out of the audio guys' world. But the audio guys were having to coordinate RF and line check and console files and all that. I was like, let's take it a day at a time. Is everyone available Tuesday? Great. Let's go knock out Cumberland on Tuesday. Yeah. Great. Everyone good for Thursday? Oh, wait. They have something in the building. Can we do Friday? All right. On Friday, let's go knock out our 515 location. And when you got a, a small army of guys you trust and enjoy each other, one day of work, you can actually get a lot done if yeah. you're just working. <laughs> so That's good. we just put our head down and got it. But we had to take it in chunks. We had to check on each other. When people were snapping at each other, It was we just agreed to tell each other, like, hey, man, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm going to take a breather so we don't get at each other. Yeah. And, and, it if, was, it and if everybody's getting to everybody all the time, then it's like, okay, who needs food? We got to stop and take a break. <laughs> we did have a hangry moment. Yeah. And we we're like, all right, guys, let's go eat. And honestly, it was in our best interest uh, to eat, like for yourself, yeah. for your body, but for the unity of the team. So uh, I learned a lot about that, and hopefully we'll carry that into the, the new year. But it was amazing and brilliant, and lives were changed, and Christmas is just magic. I hope everyone found a little magic in Christmas wherever you got it. Yeah. So That's great. So speaking of Mike Rentals, our interview today is actually with Stephen Aruda from MikeRentals.com. I love him. Yeah, he's great. And so we're going to love hearing from him, especially about a specific project they've been working on lately with Tanner. Tanner Kenny. Tanner Kenny. The one and only Tanner Kenny. Yeah. So 
Stephen is going to refer a lot also in the interview to James. And when he says James, he means James Barry, who is Beyonce's monitor engineer. An Atlanta guy now. Atlanta guy who is, they're pulling off stuff with her tour and her shows that is really fun to hear about. So let's get to that right after this. Well, we are so excited today to be joined by Stephen Aruda from MikeRentals.com and Tanner Kinney. Welcome to the MXU Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. Yeah, great to be here. Hey, man. So, for Is those- this where Tanner just tells everyone how much of an influence I've been on his life? <laughs> the, the good influence or the bad influence portion? Uh, I think... Uh, I think Tanner and I have a group text with past Christian Pascal, and I'm pretty sure Christian's all the good influence, and I'm all the bad influence. <laughs> well, it, sometimes it takes yin and yang. It's like both sides of the coin. You got to have takes two to tango, takes two to Tanner, um, <laughs> takes two to Tanner. So, first thing we need to get out of the way, Jay, is that you are coming to us with a new microphone contraption at long am- at long last. The reason my voice sounds extra sexy today is because I'm sick. No, uh, I am <laughs> sick, but uh, I uh, am you finally have the final 64 audio com headset. And by the time this podcast airs, by the powers invested in me, we will for sure have this thing for sale. I say we because. I'm getting a 64 audio email at the, by the end of this thing. I'm convinced of it. Um, <laughs> but yes, I am using the 64 audio com headset, which I don't know why they didn't call it JCom, but here it is. <laughs> That's funny. It's it's wonderful, guys. Uh, uh, features I love about it. One, there are other com headsets uh, out there that are way more expensive, and that's just bad stewardship. Two, uh, it has a TRRS connector on the end of it, so you can plug straight into your laptop or on phone calls on your cell phone or where else do you do phone calls um, and other places. And uh, then you can get an adapter to four pin for com. And then uh, one is that the headset uh, has a microphone that disconnects. So when you want to use just your ears, you can use just your ears. It's, it's really great. It's great. It's it has only taken me three years to make them myself since Eddie at 64 has been zero help. Yeah, you had to call him out. <laughs> that's yeah, funny. We know that that's not true. We love the guys from 64, and we're glad that this product is actually going to be readily available to all of our friends in production because it really is a great solution. So thanks for the update, Jay. That's awesome. awesome. So Glad to be here. Steven, how are you, man? It's been a long time. I'm I'm doing good. Um, no more kids. Still at six. Okay, that's good. So yeah, for those <laughs> this picture of you who, hasn't changed. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, um, we we give Stephen grief all the time because he's basically growing his own church softball team in his house. It's like <laughs> he's a Protestant Catholic. Oh, <laughs> people! I actually I actually get asked that Mormons, the other thing. Yeah. Uh, six is the number, and we're sticking with it. Yeah, like I said said the last time I was on this podcast, we're wireless, uh, so there's that. <laughs> uh, Tanner, I'll explain how kids are made later in our text with Pascal. Great, I'll follow up with Pascal afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You you may like my version better, probably. 
Wow. Uh, moving right along. So <laughs> I know you guys have been up to a ton of stuff lately. Um, you know, for those of you who haven't been following along on Mike Rentals social media, um, there's a ton of things like the partnership with the Flex processor and helping choirs sound better through that technology. So what the guys at Fulcrum Immersive are doing with that processor to expand its capabilities and DSP and all that is amazing. So do you have any like stories from churches who've implemented that, that would just be kind of a good case study for people? Like if you do have a choir and you're looking for more gain before feedback, or you're looking for, you know, a way to process, you know, a panel discussion or things like that, just how, how this is so helpful to so many teams. Yeah, I remember you mentioning it to me back in 2019, and I kind of heard about it. I think Scott, Barth, Scott Bartholomew had one and tried one at some time. And so, I, I, but that's like version one where they were manufacturing it um, themselves, and that's where the interest came. Um, and then uh, they came out with the the current version, which is basically on a Dell Enterprise server. Yeah, uh, and I I went to a New Spring Church up in Wichita and. What I saw was and heard was unreal. It was like it's kind of for me the worst case scenario where you have a kids choir on the edge of a stage with some like SM eighty ones at the lip of the stage. PA is right above it, and I was just like uh, Daniel Dixon was there. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is the recipe for not good. And then the kids' volume was right at the same level of the the lead singer, and I, I just. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I really, I really couldn't. So that went a lot, that uh, followed on the path to actually become a dealer with what was then VenueFlex at the time. Yep. Um, and uh, the 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 tricky thing at first was supporting these things because you have everybody's got a different console let alone level of what they know about that console they're operating as far as patching goes and as far as Dante goes. And so that part was really, really tough. Um, but what, I, what I've what i learned is that it's good for it does, maybe nine out of 10 churches, it makes sense for. There's mm-hmm. always that one. It just, it actually doesn't make sense for them. Um, it's a good, like we've always been, it's good discovery, um, part of the discovery process, just as far as, see if this makes sense for you and can you later on do you do choirs enough to justify owning one of these and that's part of the conversation every time yeah um because we don't ex- yeah just every time for a lot of the the majority of um of baptist churches that we've seen purchase these of course they're doing choirs every weekend um and they're fighting um the pa trying to get more volume out of those choirs um and so choir here here comes choir flex um they take it for a test spin for usually it's about a, a week sometimes 10 days so they can get maybe two sundays in and a rehearsal um uh, and it seems to be solving a lot of problems uh for them um now what they've done in 2023 is they came out with uh, Mike flex which is an upgrade to choir flex the the processor unit stays the same. It's just a remote license upgrade and it unlocks multiple modes and it unlocks a mode that you can do actually technically you're doing two choir flexes in one. So you can put one processing the orchestra and another processing the choir. Um, mm. and, and again, some people need that. Some, some don't. That's great. Does it work like uh, almost like a Dugan scenario? 
Like, I don't, I don't understand auto the voodoo. mixing. I know, and that's the thing. That's like this. It, it's so the to put it in uh, simple terms because I had to grasp it too. Because like the if the uh, technical engineers, um, I'm uh, only a little bit smarter than you. So tell me how you got it. Uh, they they explained it in what's called a comparator circuit is is what I've learned to okay this is what this does it's taking all your choir mix whether you have two whether you have twelve and that's getting grouped down to a, just a group of two and that gets sent out via Dante to the processor that's that's reference number one reference number two usually comes off of your master bus and that that's a, again just two tracks right back to the um, uh, inputs three and four of the processor that's that's reference number two so it compares those two references between what um what it's hearing the pa through your mics and the distance of of the choir from those mics and it compares those two and that's where it's figuring out hey i can squeeze more out of this choir um and it's funny during its learning process, it's not like it's definitely not a feedback suppressor because feedback suppressor you end up dicing up your PA and ends up sounding terrible. But it almost makes this like alien type sound as it's as it's learning, um, and it's like it's learning your room too. In cases where the room was really bad, Choirflex just could just it wasn't. It wasn't going to help it. the The room was so bad; it was hearing too many things from too too many different sources. But um, so basically, Jay, that's what it is. It, it you're 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 taking up. Um, uh, it returns back to the console. You're taking up, you know, three groups of faders, so six faders total, um, aside from all of your acquire mic inputs. And uh, there's no processing as far as like we we tell everybody we got to take your plugins off of off the choir mics, you know. You're only doing a, um, uh, you know, a high pass filter up to 60 hertz, and that's, you know, that's really it, um, and and that's all. If if you have any other type of plugins that are on that on that channel, we've had some some guys putting uh, plugins on their master that kept raising the noise floor and this started actual feedback. Um, that's another part of the process we've had to learn and support is to make everybody just take take things off that they just don't need. They can process the signal after they get the return from the from Choirflex, but um, as far as what it sends back to you, it's it's the best thing you're best thing you're gonna get. Um, yeah. But again, I mean, it doesn't matter like what mic, like what PA. I mean, I've seen SM eighty ones, KSM one thirty sevens, and of course, like the it really makes like the DPA forty ninety sevens and the Earthworks seven thirties. It makes those mics like really shine. Um, uh, because before we were we were just working with um, different types of mics to improve you know choir capture. Now that that's helped us with coverage. But as far as getting that game before feedback out, the the one of the most mind blowing scenarios, Jay, that we saw was um, uh, you guys familiar with Nathan Bong out of Cornerstone? Jeff, I think you are. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, and he's part of the. Salt Network is a, a community of uh, churches on college campuses. Anyway, um, they were in Des Moines last year, and I went and uh, went out there. And he's using Choirflex with 4097s, and they're in the round. So this PA, this PA everywhere. And it was the greatest moments that I've ever captured with Choirflex through the process as far as the choir is rehearsing. He, I'm 
he's letting the choir flex, um, you know, learn the room, just learn the proximity of the mics to the, to the, uh, the singers. And man, they were singing some pretty high level songs like the Cody Karn stuff and, and whatnot. And when the leads would drop out, the choir was again, right there with them is really powerful moments because some of these, especially that choir arranger or the choir director, she's worked really hard on this arrangement. And so yeah. she can finally hear, <laughs> I played it back for her and, and, and she almost started crying. She can finally hear her hard work. Um, she can hear the, the, you know, the, the tenors from the alto. She can hear that, all those parts. Um, and that's a couple of reactions we've gotten in person too, from choir directors who don't usually get to, get to hear that, um, hear their hard work really, you know, come across, um, you know, the, the PA and cut through the mix the way it, the, the way it is with the help, help of choir flex. So anyway, that was a cool experience I had to mention. Yeah. You said a couple times in your statements right there, uh, uh, you've had to learn how to support this is total ignorance statement from my, like I thought you were a mic rental company. <laughs> like, so I, I know it was when you say support, like do people actually call first, even maybe even for microphone stuff too. Uh, the people like, I wouldn't think to call you guys. I would think I just rented something from you. Right. It would, it would surprise you, but that's part of our, one of our core values is, um, relentless customer service. And, um, I built my, uh, our, our team has definitely grown There's now eight of us. Um, there, you know, last time I was on this, there was only like three of us. Wow. <laughs> so it, it has grown and the right, the right people are, are here. Andrew Hunt, I'm got to give him a shout out, <clears throat> man get emotional because i love these people he's in the room on the other side of this wall and i've heard him i've heard him on phone call after phone call after phone call um talking to talking people through stuff and i love it because i've i've been there and it was super frustrating it would be like on a saturday and i have i have the manual for cl5 because i don't know the cl5 and i'm trying to tell them how how to how to build a matrix and how, how to route that through Dante. And that's, that's the part that can be challenging. Um, we just, we just don't want, want people to feel like they're having to just figure this stuff out on their own because the manufacturer is not, wasn't available on the weekend. Um, but right. you know, it's just kind of, uh, in our, the nature of our character of what we, of what we do, we just feel like we can't leave them hanging. Um, and uh, so that's part of the, the yeah the support side is uh, I I I kind of it was an afterthought to be honest Jay uh, can, can you send me his phone number I might just call him when I have technical questions in general uh, man between him uh, him and Jesse between those two dudes um, yeah they're yeah they're pretty re- pretty remarkable I f- I feel so dumb. <laughs> Tanner for sure has gotten a stupid question for me a time or two (laughs) when I couldn't figure out like the simplest thing. It's great. Yeah. When when Tanner telling me, tell tells me what he's doing. I'm just, I'm just nodding. (laughs) Yeah. The three pins is what again? (laughs) (laughs) I borrowed this cable from lighting. It'll work, right? (laughs) You know, so that's just the, the, um, just the, the beauty of it. We've, you know, in a short time, very short time, I think within the first year we came, we became the number one seller of Choirflex, and I like we, we have dominating that, and um, a lot of the other 
uh, fulcrum acoustic uh, or fulcrum dealers in general, um, they don't have these like on their shelf as demos. We have six or seven units. Um, and that took an investment. That was all risk and all that stuff. But holy cow, like right now at Christmas, we don't, they're all they're all gone. And a lot of them are for a lot of them are first time users. So you're not going to get any of those back because once people hear it and once they experience it, they're going to keep it because it is a phenomenal product. I've used it several times and I, I tell people and they don't believe it, but it's literally 15 dB more gain before feedback from your choir. I mean, like you said, your choir is actually usable. It's not just, okay, how can I maybe record all these extra tracks so that I can have a choir to make these people standing on stage more convincing looking. No, it's like these microphones are actually usable for the first time in a long time. Even with a modern worship drum kit rock band on stage, it's it's an amazing piece of gear. So, Would you guys use it in a touring application or does it need to hyper-focus on a room particularly over time? Well, it learns the room as you set it up. So you could set it up during a sound check at an arena and it would just basically, you know, in real time kind of figure itself out. And then it's, it's kind of adapting as it goes too. So it's not just a set and forget thing. It will continue to, cause it uses that comparative circuit all the time. So it, um, it's not just a, okay, turn the knob this way. There are no knobs. You just put the inputs in, put the other set of inputs in. It compares the two over time and spits out ever-changing output it's it's crazy two questions uh latency and is dante the only way in and out uh it's a good question two milliseconds um it's funny if you have uh um you know after talking with james about um you know the the vocal chain like beyonce's vocal chain i think there was already two milliseconds tanner does that sound about right with her vocal chain yeah i think in total we keep it under five uh because she'll, she'll yeah and that, that was point. we were he was trying to you use this in a unique way on her and it just that added too much that at that point it would have been like you said up to seven that would have been too noticeable i was like rats <laughs> but i i gotta attribute james for um early on like experimenting with this thing like uh i was like hey i gave it to i gave him one to take out he i think he went out on the road with maxwell and i was like hey man break it I told them, put it through its paces. Tell tell me what's hap- what it does when you're uh, with whatever application you're using it. Um, because James used it, um, and we got to get him on this podcast because he is he's a wizard. Um, uh, we were doing a uh, a drama at uh, First Pentecostal Church of North Little Rock, and they wanted thirty two. P- it was a thirty two person choir uh all all on headsets out in front of the pa running around and uh yeah and and james like landed i think at 9 a.m in the morning i picked him up and by 7 p.m he had all all three of these brand new consoles all digico consoles i think two three three eights and a sd12 and the only instance of Dante was at that monitor console. So he had all that routed and patched and had ChoirFlex running. And so, uh, and 
because I think he had experience with um, the Sunday service choir too. So he's kind of used to that whole setup. And man, these it sounded an unreal, but he had this moving choir with all those headsets summed down and run through choir flags. Just, <laughs> dude's, dude's a magician. That's very cool. Brilliant. What was the other question, Jay? You Dante, asked? is that the only way in and out? Thank you. So, um, yes. However, uh, we also do the AVIOs. Um, so we send out a little POE switch for for all that. It's a little bit trickier, and again, if we have to, we have to walk people through that type of setup because it's just a little bit trickier if you just don't know how to route the stuff through Dante. But yeah, that's all Dante. That's cool. Uh, great. I want to try one. So yes. other than Choirflex, you mentioned James. That's James Barry, who is Beyonce's monitor engineer. Um, you guys have been up to a bunch of stuff with Beyonce herself. So talk us through a little bit about that project. Because, you know, Jay was saying earlier, I thought you guys just rented microphones. And yes, mic rentals in the name. It's like that's where you go to rent microphones. But it's way beyond a bucket of capsules these days. You guys are getting into other pieces of gear and other kind of you know, preamps and IO and stuff that supports microphones. So talk a little bit about what's happening with the queen herself, because I know that's a awesome setup. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, of course, everything starts from relationships and it wouldn't, um, wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for James. Um, we, when James was at Passion for a little bit, uh, he was, oh my word, he was testing us out every other day. And I could tell he was a little apprehensive at first because <laughs> I don't think he was used to just um, uh, us coming or he wasn't expect us to come through the way we kept coming through, like all the late night drives to the airport to drop stuff off and, and all that. And of course, um, James went back out on the road and ended up with uh, Ghost Town and then um, Kings of Leon. And uh, I think that's when we were hanging out in San Diego and he mentioned like what was coming up for the new year. And there was no expectation there. It was just like, yeah, just, you know, whatever you need, one mic, two mic, three mics for, you know, fill in plug in holes. And um, uh, Tanner, actually, I think this this is when I ran into you was um, uh just before you guys headed to Dubai for the first time. Yeah. Was that when I saw you? Yep. So um, originally we were just going to supply a few mics to this one-off in Dubai. And uh, it um, turned out to be the whole thing. <laughs> and it was two days before they needed them. Wow. Um, oh, man. And uh, we had about half of what they were request requesting. And... Um, the folks at DPA, specifically Alan, uh, helped us out. Um, they let us borrow the other half. But here, this here's the thing, guys. This was a Friday, <laughs> so I flew out the next morning and to Denver. I picked them up from a guy at <laughs> at uh, customer pickup, uh, handed a case over, and got back on a plane to Los Angeles. And five five p.m. on the West Coast, I meet up with James walk in and Tanner's sitting right there. I was like, I know that mustache <laughs> for the record. Had that been me, I'd have been in jail <laughs> just picking up a random briefcase at a random airport <laughs> profiling at its finest. I thought about that. Uh, um, I, uh, almost had a, a really bad 
accident at the John Elway restaurant in Denver, um, there was a paperclip in my hamburger. It was ground into my hamburger and I bit into it and I pulled it oh, <laughs> in the back my of my mouth. Gosh. And I took a picture of it and everything and I just froze. And and know what's amazing was just like I had a choice to react um, one way or the other. And I chose the high road, uh, you know, and uh, I ended up eating uh, like a $90 steak instead. <laughs> like they asked me, do you want another hamburger? I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> um, um, uh, but I was on a mission and I, I couldn't be distracted from, from doing that. Cause you know, I could have raised all sorts of hell and, you know, um, been like, yeah, can I have all those signed John Elway jerseys that are in those letter boxes, <laughs> shadow boxes, or you know, you'll but, be hearing from my attorney and you could have been retired. And then none of these churches would benefit from Mike com. So, right. I just had to stay on mission, man. There I just go. had to stay on mission. Um, but, uh, apparently that, that, I mean, the experience alone just, I looked at James and I was just, just like, dude, I, I don't feel like I belong here. <laughs> like, this is, how did I get here? Um, and, uh, I realized that like the overall, like the, all the stuff that we've been doing for churches from the beginning, that's what we were built by and for, um, ha- got us to a point where we could actually pull something like this off. Cause if that happened six years earlier, seven years earlier, yeah. no way. Yeah. There's no way. We just wouldn't, didn't have the logistical know-how and the money, all the, the inventory, all that stuff. But um, it turned out to be a, a litmus test to a future phone call where with James again was that. So James is, was the audio director for the tour. Um, and so he was just asking, do you think Mike Reynolds has the capability to to supply all the wired mics? So I was like, send me an input list. And that was the biggest input list I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Tanner, I'm sure Tanner added a few channels. Uh, yeah, we added a separate <laughs> oh, loop. For it got me. bigger. <laughs> yeah, so Tanner, talk for a minute about your background and how you got into all this relationship, but then also just like the setup and the specs and exactly what the scope of this project was or is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, I came up kind of in the church world, uh, spent some time uh, working at Liberty University on their production. Go Flames. Team. Hell yeah. And, undefeated uh, <laughs> undefeated they did yeah and uh from there i uh, came down to passion in atlanta um and that's where i met james uh and then jay who's been you know the best and worst influence on my life um and uh yeah and from there uh kind of hopped into touring and uh bounced around a little bit uh with front of house in the pop world and uh James Barry called me one day and two days later I was in LA and then that was it. It was the weirdest, shortest, quickest thing that has ever happened to me, but it was great. Um, and so I, my role on the tour originally was a vocal effects engineer. Um, so essentially, uh, just mixing down all, all the effects from the album. Um, we recreate everything exactly. Um, and make sure it translates to the space appropriately. Um, and so that was our originally. And then uh, I've always had a passion for audience mics and, and live recordings. And so because of that, James kind of wrote me into some of the audience side of that. And eventually uh, that became like a more official role. And so um, all the way through the movie, uh, wound up being audience, uh, like recording engineer and editing for the film and uh, handled all of that stuff in post. So that's the short, I guess. Um, but I think where, where Steven comes into it, 
uh, I mean, first off, before Beyonce, before a big name, um, Steven has done all the same things. I have worked for artists who probably no one has heard of who are not a big deal playing 500 cap rooms and the same level of, of service is there. And I yeah. think that's one thing that's incredible that I think it's easy sometimes to hear like, and I experienced that even like calling vendors and being like, well, no. And then it's like, Oh, it's Beyonce. And then it's like totally different tune. But with Steven, it's just that it, it doesn't matter. He's far more concerned about uh, me or James or, or the people um, as far as the engineers and the crew guys and, and, and bringing that same level of customer service regardless. And so I've always loved that. I've, would love a plane count of how many times I've personally put you on a plane, Stephen, uh, unintentionally for an obscure <laughs> microphone. Um. So yeah, we know around MXU that that's always been the case for Stephen. I mean, I think it's it's interesting when I look back at the the history of all this. You know, there was a moment when Stephen came to Andrew and Lee and me and said, "Hey guys, I have this idea. Do you think it might work?" And it was like, "Yeah, it's going to work because it's you." And I think you're exactly right, Tanner. It's because of that commitment to caring for people that has made the whole thing what it is. Um, but from a technical standpoint, talk us through like the actual rig. Like, how many microphones are we talking about? Some people don't even know that there is a film. So it's like Great, Beyonce yeah. made a movie. Like, talk us through some of that process because I know that it's more than just microphones. You guys are dealing with some of the um, Rupert Neve designs pre's yes. and some of that stuff too. So just give people a, an idea of the rig rundown yeah, for people so, who may not know. Uh, the rig is essentially uh, a built around the digital world. Um, it is one maxed out loop that we all share. Uh, there are actually, um, th there's, well, there's, there's three SD7s actively being used. Um, there's a front of house. Uh, James mixes monitors, but actually just for uh, B. And then um, Chris Bellamy mixed uh, the band and all, all the band members. And so you have three engineers, um, and each are utilizing the second loop to do any of their local stuff. So you have a completely maxed out loop that we're sharing. Um, and James is, is brilliant. They're, I don't know that I've seen anyone take advantage of all the redundancies and safeties of uh, Digico's OptiCore loop system the way James has. Uh, like Everything is thought out. The fiber doesn't run in the same cable path, so you have a true loop. Like Inputs are put on different racks, so you can lose a rack and keep things. Like It's very meticulously thought out. Um, and because of that, it's a very large input list. Um, you have a full band on stage. Um, you have dancers. You have a lot of backup lines run. Um, and so it's a pretty, it's, it is a one maxed out loop and then everyone is utilizing their second loop for anything local. Um, and then as far as once we start getting to audience stuff, we wound up building a, another Dante network so that we could utilize preamps. And we started using the Focusrite stuff because in uh, February when we were putting together, we couldn't find enough. Um, and I think Steven wasn't involved in the, preamp sides i think those came from claire if i'm remembering um and they didn't have any of the uh the rupert neve um dante preamps so we went with the focus right stuff and uh they worked uh but were definitely difficult to work with um and i think all of us felt they were uh, left us wanting a little more 
Um, but they were great. We utilized the Dante network to take advantage of the space. You have a giant catwalk that's a circle. So you wind up with uh, 74 inputs that are hundreds of feet away from each other uh, just for audience mics. Wow. Um, How many audience mics? Uh, 74 inputs. Um, I think total there were like 24. A lot of them were the DPA 5100s, which are their surround sound yep. mic, which were super helpful. Um, Did you say 74 audience mics? 74 inputs, which we upped for when we did. Um, we I did make it all the way to 124. I like to think. You, you could hear a mouse fart in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think I potentially have a record for that at this point. Um, but we did, we got I don't to think there's an award to be given. <laughs> I want there to be an award given though. You, you get the same award as those guys that put thousand dollar mics on their bottom snare. <laughs> well, I am also that same person. So, <laughs> um, oh, I know, I know you are. <laughs> but um, yeah, it worked out great because you you get to take advantage of you know running cat lines instead of thousands and thousands of feet of copper. Right. Uh, and then eventually, as we came to the States, we expanded some of that, uh, knowing that we were going to do uh, a release and, and a movie. Um, we started adding some mics for additional capture points. Uh, essentially, the audience mics we were using were intended to be utilized uh, for her ears, and that was the main focus of how we had placed them, where they were. Um, and so with, with a movie in mind, we added additional microphones. And when we did... Uh, Stephen provided um, the the new Rupert Neve Dante Prees, which are fantastic. I do not think I've heard a better Dante converter yet. Um, they were easy to work with. Uh, I couldn't say better things about them, which I love Rupert Neve. I think they make great quality products, and, and it was really nice to have on the road. We I shot them out directly with a couple other Dante Prees while we were out there, and it was it was really nice. And so we essentially built a second Dante loop into a console and had a whole additional, um, we used a quantum three, three, eight and, uh, used that as like a glorified router to capture all the audience mics. So we had the existing Dante pre's, uh, being focused, right. And then bringing in a totally independent Dante network, um, with the Rupert Neves on it. Um, and we also utilized some of the, uh, new DPA 2017s, uh, Steven, again, Steven does an incredible job of bridging the gap between uh, engineers and, and companies and kind of helping fill that role. And so through him, he connected me with Alan and, and uh, I got to try him out early. And I remember being so skeptical, like, oh, great. Like you, you're going at a mic that's been, you know, a competitor to the Sennheiser 416, which like is been around for forever and is, is very much considered a standard, the standard in shotgun mics, as far as uh, I think many are concerned. And uh, so to hear that, I was like, "All right, well, send it over. I'll shoot them out, you know, as a, on some spare inputs and listen back." And and man, I mean, DPA just crushed it with that. It it's got all of the pleasant smoothness, the natural response that DPAs have, and all of the rejection you could want from it. Um. And so again, Stephen pointed off the impossible. I told him that I wanted uh, by a specific show that I wanted sixteen of them, and I don't think they were being made yet. So <laughs> uh, we're not. But so Stephen made them by hand. <laughs> um, this is, I'm there on my lathe. <laughs> but yeah, whittle away on these shotguns. They're not made of wood, Stephen. <laughs> That's this awesome. metal lathes Jay. <laughs> 
and yeah, so we used some of those, and and uh, those were probably the new two fun toys we had out there uh, between the pre's and those 2017s. They sounded great, uh, and ultimately uh, did 124 inputs of audience mics. Tan, what were the other mics you had? Um, I utilized some of the Sennheiser 8070s. Um, those are probably personally oh, yeah. my favorite long shotgun mics. They have an incredible reach um, and a really nice natural mid-range bump that makes them great for um, when you can't get mics as close as you want to. It It's everything you would want in that as far as really good rejection and then already giving you that natural mid-range that you're going to want. Um, we use those. Uh, there were some 416s, and then um, we did some 414s in the ceiling. That was quite fun. Um, hmm. We hung those in Houston. And I say we, and again, another moment where Steven just stepped up and went above and beyond. Uh, Steven's team uh, came in and, and took care of, I mean, I think we had 32 mics in the ceiling. Uh, what was the venue? Uh, uh, in Houston. In the Houston Dome. And so, I mean, Steven's team came in and did an incredible job. I handed them that, gave them a plot, and they, I mean, crushed it um, and did it with excellence. And it was great. So another moment where Steven's team just more more than just a Mike Rental uh, company. I'm going to watch this movie just to see how the crowd sounds. It better sound good. (laughs) You'll you'll hear it just in the trailer when they cut to shots of the stadium. Um, I can't. It's funny. I was like, I I say I can't wait to hear it, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go see it or I'm going to sneak in. (laughs) You could do a double feature: this movie and Taylor's movie, and just kind of get all the all the female pop star you can handle. Yeah. (laughs) It was one of those opportunities, I guess, I don't know, opportunities, moments, whatever. I just, James presented the thing and, um, and it was just maybe a split second where uh, I, I just would say, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and then, I don't know, maybe an hour later I realized, what did I, what did I just, what did we just say yes to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, well, I already said it, so <laughs> so just do it. But I knew it wasn't just going to be, you know, us hanging out there. We, we, it was a lot, a lot of um, communication back and forth, trying to figure out. You know, you remember this tenor? I was like, so high, how, how high is that catwalk? <laughs> <laughs> it's two hundred feet. I was like, I think I need to make adjustments to my life insurance policy. <laughs> um, I'm serious, uh, guys. We and, need another um, cable trunk because we can't. <laughs> we we got to get these things wired up just to to get and this is where see i i ran into a thing where um i think we went to two two trunks full of copper um and we had to split up an energy stadium we had to split up um uh half of the the preamps had to go up behind the led wall and the other half lived down in front of house with tanner and so you have this i don't know five, 600 foot gap between the two. <laughs> um, and again, that's where I, I would just say, Hey James, here's, here's the thing. Um, how do we get to Tanner? <laughs> and um, it's awesome. I, I think I was at MXU Atlanta and I was eating lunch and um, James called and was just like, Hey, I know how we're going to do this. And he's like media converters and we're going to drop 
drop fiber between the media converters. I was like, that's why you are who you are. Wow. Because uh, I would have had no no idea what to do. I mean, the to give you an idea of the, these lengths of runs that just the um uh these cable lengths were going from the middle of the, ra- the or the rack that was right behind that LED wall. It was th- 300 feet of um of 12 channel both ways just to get up into the catwalk let alone all the lines that were dropping (laughs) and so what was awesome is i think 30 minutes before the show we had one that we weren't seeing offhand um and then i think i went up there and realized i looked at one end of a cable and another end of a cable (laughs) plugged them in it was just because we were short on one end and i threw it to somebody i threw it to andrew um and uh, he didn't see me throw it, and no one connected it. But that was that was it. And uh, just the you know, after you listened to the stems that night, telling us how good, great they sounded, I was like, awesome! Glad we all knew what we were doing. <laughs> you know, that's incredible! Great. Wow, just twenty two thousand steps later. <laughs> I, I just don't know anyone that has the passion for audience mics that Tanner has. It's always kind of been your thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it came from I've always felt that live recordings were missing the same feeling that you have in a room like there's just something live music has always been like such a big part of my life and a part of like my kind of personal story and it's meant so much to me and I felt like I've just always been chasing that feeling and I, I think too it's like a weird part in audio where you know we have 75 hundred videos to watch about everyone and their mom's opinion on how to mic a snare bottom. But a lot of times people just, he throw... doesn't mean that offensively to, <laughs> to you, Jeff, if you filmed a vo- video of that. None taken. Uh, yeah. And there's nothing bad. That, it's like, I love that about audio and how many different ways there are. And, <laughs> uh, but then you get to audience mics. I've always felt like predominantly it's like, we'll just throw a few shotguns up and move on. And so I've always just found it to be an interesting rabbit hole. So, our listener base is predominantly churches and some touring cats from both parties. Like you've been in so many different churches over the years. You've, uh, you spent so much time at passion and other places. Like what advice do you have for people that don't have a massive, that don't have your Beyonce budget and a dedicated loop and console? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and powered by Mike Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like what, what are two mics? What are four mics? What is a premise that some advice you could pass along to get the best bang for their buck? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say, regardless of microphones, actually, one of my favorite small churches that I ever recorded uh, was before I was working for anyone big or had any money to work with. And they were the like, not the SM, the series below that, like the PG 51s, like pencil condensers. But I just took the time to move them. It was like a small 300-person room. I was at that church for maybe a year or two, and I just never stopped moving them. And eventually I found a sweet spot that was like, okay, great. Like in this room, these sound really good here. And so that would be the first thing I'd say is like if you're a small church and maybe you already have two small condensers or or two, two 414s or two shotguns or whatever you already have, if you have something, just start moving them. Just uh, move them and, and listen back. Like take something and listen and spend five minutes and think the same way. Put on that hat of like we we typically holistically care so much about how our drum kits sound. Like I'm so guilty of going down that rabbit hole 
as an engineer and, and I'm just put the same hat on with audience mics for five minutes and, and play some stuff back and move them next, next week and, and give it a try. Um, and if, if I am listening mics, I, I think the 2017s are incredible, uh, that just came out from DPA. I think they're a really good bang for your buck. Um, and aside from that, like a good budget thing would be to do some of the, the cheaper AKG mics. Like if you can't dive into like a 414 pair yet, like the 214s work great for audience capture in, mm-hmm. in small rooms. They're a great uh, like budget friendly capsule that still has lots of worth and warmth to it. And you ditch some of the features you don't typically use in audience recordings anyway. That's awesome. Well, there's so much that we can glean from this particular project and your just company values in the first place, Stephen. And I think, you know, for the person sitting at home going, you know, this is fun to listen to, but there's no like practical application for me in this. I think there is when it, when it comes to just the value of work, the commitment to people and just caring about doing a good job. Like, there are some some guys who lose sight of that sometimes. So beyond these sort of big opportunities, like talk for just a minute about, about that side. Like, because understanding that is what got you to have these opportunities in the first place. So what advice would you mm-hmm. give to somebody who's just like, yeah, that'll never be me, and so this doesn't matter? I would say to... <laughs> To just be curious, um, you know, because I I was just a technical director at Dry Gulch USA. I wasn't with Andrew and all the guys in the the big venue. I had a $500 a month budget that I had to work with. Now, granted, if something hit the fan, I had the backing of, you know, the Church on the Move production, but I I had to work within, work within those means and be, and be creative. Um, but yeah, as far as being curious, like how can I make this better with what I have here right now? And early on when we didn't have a lot of inventory to just, you know, hand out to everybody, um, I actually had to remind some people like, Hey, what, what are you using in house right now? What, what do you have right now? I still, we actually still do. It's part of it. Um, because a lot of them are, they'll hear something like this and they'll try to let's let me go out and get a bunch of 5100s let me go out and get some 2017s it's like whoa 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 do you have a a drawer full of 57s or something that you can at least listen to first before you go nuts and cuz you know in 2020 when everybody was streaming for the first time most of all of them, most all of them forgot about the audience uh, cuz like we were out there in right. 21 <laughs> helping fix that by adding because everybody sounded like they were in a box, but I don't realize that goodness. um, uh, One of the third day records, Andrew mentioned this before he had just a pair of 58s and it was like the last thing in the box, but he, he knew he needed some sort of audience mics for that, that live third day record. And he just put, put them in the right spot and just at least start there. Um, uh, so I, I, I guess a lot of uh, people just don't realize what they have. Just really look back, look over again what you have laying around. There's been so many times where I've opened, you know, uh, drawers backstage somewhere. It's like, hey, let me see what's in these these mic drawers, and I'm just like, uh, 
why aren't you using these KM-184s? Yeah. <laughs> Neumann KM. Why are those not being used? Yeah, anything with the Neumann you know? logo on it, it's like, uh, that needs to be out on the stage somewhere. <laughs> it's German for $1,500. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? um, uh, I don't know if yeah. Tanner would put it on a bottom snare, but... <laughs> Only if it's vintage. Or even worse, I I, I saw somebody with a, the KM84s, which are like twice as much, and they don't make those anymore. But they said, oh, my goodness. But it's funny. I actually talked them out of doing audience mics with us because they already they already had it. So I would exhaust every resource um, you can and be creative with what you may, you may not know is right in front of you. Um, That's really good. Well... For the people who are ready to try something new, they want to try the 5100 and hear what that sounds like, or a new choir mic, or whatever. Um, just how do people get to you? What's your, like, I know the great thing about this is you can rent a mic for a couple of weekends, try it out, and experience it before you make the investment in buying it. So that's the whole business model, which I love. So just give people a quick rundown for those who haven't used mic rentals before. What's the best way to find you and, you know, your process? Yeah. So if you're curious about some of the mics that Tanner mentioned, well, we, we, we may or may not have 16 5100s, <laughs> but it was, it was funny. They got really, uh, it seems like the, the touring scene caught on to adding those to all their writers. So I'm, I'm glad we have them, but yeah, if you're curious, if you wanting to add that, I know Corey uses one when he's out with elevation. Um, uh, I know like Webster loves adding that to their stems and, and, and stuff. Um, but yes, you can just go to micrentals.com, search for some of the mics that we talked about, but then just look through the entire selection and uh, the site's kind of built for what we call the ABC user, an advanced basic or casual user. Um, advanced people, they know what they want. They're just going to get it. They know their dates. Bam, done. Uh, casual, they, they, they have an idea of what they would like. They're open to suggestions. And then, of course, basic, they have no clue whatsoever. And so, you know, you can always text us at um, the number that's on the website. Uh, and there's always somebody live. There's no robots, no AI. That's there's just an automatic response that says thanks. We'll be there in a second. But then after that, it's always oh, trust me, I I make typos like crazy in my text messages <laughs> back to people. We want to always want to make sure like we're reachable, touchable, you know, humans. Um, and uh, yeah, we want to help guide uh, guide people to try try the things out that make sense for them. But then after they try it, they can always come back and and uh, we we're dealers in all of everything we carry, um, and that's what makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, specifically, Jeff with Choirflex, um, we actually take the entire rental and put that back towards the purchase of um, of a new one. It just makes sense to do. That's great. And uh, yep. Well, guys, this has been great. I know we could sit here and talk for hours, but I don't know if we'd have anybody listening by the end of that. So. We probably need to sign off, but thank you so much for your time today. Tanner, it was great to hear what you're doing. And Stephen, as always, I love the fact that you're one of our longest standing partners and what you do for the MXU community is so great. So thank you as always. And I just hope that you guys have a great holiday season. Merry Christmas. I hope you have a little bit of downtime after Christmas because I know your Christmas rentals are probably out the wazoo. So uh, Sorry about um, that, Stephen. 
Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. <laughs> it keeps us fresh. Yeah, my Christmas rentals have been nuts. Unreal. You should make Jay come out to the warehouse and put his stuff back. <laughs> I'm just going to send it yeah. back in a box, man. I don't know. I don't know what goes where at this point. No, it's worth super, super grateful. The, the amount of time that we're here every day, again, that the team's plus two from where it was last year, um, just because in the timing of the, the arrival of these, uh, two young men, man, it just like is, um, is, is unreal. I mean, it's, it's can only be God knowing what we need when we need it. That's awesome. Um, so anyway, um, Love that. yeah, Jay, you're awesome. Thanks Steven, so much. You're one of the good ones and Tanner, I can't be any more proud of you. You know that I hope. Thank you. Love it. Well, thanks guys. I mean, who would have thought renting out a few 57s, I actually don't know what he started with, but would lead <laughs> to this company that is literally like, I want to know what the FedEx, UPS, and USPS that they have built rapport with in Oklahoma thinks. Right. Because I have called him at 5 o'clock, and Stephen's like, get off the phone. I've got 30 minutes to get this out the door, yeah. and I'm physically driving it yeah. to the courier or they've delta dashed i've watched them do that like who would have thought this would be coming out of oklahoma one to what a brilliant idea what are we what are we not buying and renting i know like there's a decimator guy out in california when decimators there was a shortage of them he bought them all (laughs) and all he did was rent decimator it's brilliant that's funny well i remember you know as part of the origin story you know i remember being with you know, Andrew Stone and Lee and me with MXU and Steven was a part of Andrew's team at Church on the Move and him coming up to us and saying, hey, I see what Lens Rentals is doing. Do you think this might be a good idea for microphones? And we were like, absolutely. So I know that Andrew supported him a lot and, you know, Church on the Move obviously was a big part of it, but he is just, like you said, about the level of service. I mean, that's that's what makes it distinctive to me is that their commitment to their customers, their commitment to excellence, their commitment to support, even beyond the rental itself, is just phenomenal. They just do such a great job. So absolutely love Stephen and all of his team. I I could not be proud. I said this earlier, I know in the interview, but Tanner, since he was a resident here, passion and so on, has just turned out to be absolutely gifted and talented, but just a great human. Yeah. Um and mad respect to him. I call him with technical questions all the time. He just laughs. So, <laughs> but uh, check out his stuff too. Him and Josh Cruz's Eclipse. That's right. Recording platform. If you're a Reaper person, the skin they have on Eclipse is amazing. So, anyways, check on each other. It's January, but we still got to check on each other. So, you got any resolutions? Uh, probably can't say them <laughs> for for federal <laughs> federal reasons. So, um, I, honestly, I just want to be better at life in every realm like i want to celebrate better i want to help people mourn better take care of my friends and family better uh eat better but that always ends up just being eating more (laughs) so anyways yeah no what about you anything you know uh the last couple of years we've done the mxu 75 and we're not going to do a like official program this year but I am going to try to use some of the things that I've learned from it in the last couple of years to just get things dialed back in. I feel like I just feel so much better 
when I eat better and move more. And, you know, there's a lot of stress this year that just kind of prevented me from doing that as well as I would have liked. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to take the new year to kind of reboot some of those habits. The water intake is the one thing that stuck with me. Yeah. I think once you can train your body to intake that much water, that when you don't get it, it notices yeah. too. So that is the one it thing. Definitely I probably helps. don't hit 100 ounces of water still, but I, I probably flirt in the 60 to 70. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, it's being hydrated. It helps with sleep. It helps with your joints. It helps with so many things that, you know, just doing that alone, you know, and using it as a substitute for sugary drinks, especially can help a lot of people. Honestly, so. I, and I'm like, you know, I'm like a kid, like I play games. And so like when I go to Tinkle Town, it's more about just seeing the color. I'm like, ah, I probably need some more water. And then it's, then it's a game to get it clearer, you know? That's so, funny. Literally, like I'm like an elementary kid. Well, here we are. It's all right. It, it, it helps make things easier to understand. <laughs> <laughs> I need a color chart when I go to the bathroom. Did I, did I tell you we had a color chart on Tomlin's bus years ago? Oh, no. Like in the, in the bathroom on the bus, right above the toilet, there was a color chart that they stole from some high school football locker room. That's amazing. And it was basically, you know, during summer practice, it's like, if your pee is this color, you're in trouble. And then it had various gradients. That's amazing. It was like healthy and then on the verge. I bet that's and on then, the internet. I don't know what oh, I need to type in. You might need to find PP it. PP gradient. <laughs> that's amazing. All right, All right, guys, you guys take care of yourselves. We love you. Have a great New Year's, everybody, and we'll see you next time.